0: okay
1: yeah okay great so so far stereo i guess it's okay i mean the audio quality is kind of
0: audio quality is terrible
1: yeah i mean you're also getting me through my bluetooth headphone microphone oh that might be
0: it how's how's mine is it also like like i'm on a
1: yeah it's bad
0: it sounds like um like those old like Conference phones that you put in the middle of a desk or yeah. whatever.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: It's probably... They they do it that way, so that way you reduce lag. Like, um, if it's low quality, then it'll be f- faster to broadcast?
1: Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. I'm just making up shit. I suppose so. But, like, I mean, I don't know. Discord does it pretty fast, and it's good quality. Yeah. So, I don't know.
0: So, it's weird. Usually, when I see... Maybe it's because I'm talking, but usually when I see these things um, on stereo, it has two faces side by side, like they're talking to each other.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was noticing on the other things.
0: Interesting. Just trying out new technology all the time. We're on the cutting edge, although this app has been out for a little while, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it's been a while, Rob. Yeah
0: uh it's been about 12 hours well yeah
1: but i mean it's been a while since we did a podcast (laughs) i know (laughs) so last october yeah it's been a long time been a while
0: i didn't think it had been that long also i don't know if i uh messed up our feed but i recorded a short note there's a little episode called a note from rob did that show up in your podcast app at all
1: uh yeah I think I remember that.
0: It it didn't show up in mine. I don't know why. I was using Overcast, and it got the other one, the uh, catching up with Castaneda, but not that note. Oh, well. As long Hmm. as other people see it. (sighs) So, yeah, I've been... Oof. I don't know where to start. (laughs) It's been a lot going on. Um, Let's see here. Well, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Amish country... Pennsylvania, um, staying at an Airbnb for two months while my wife, Mary is doing her surgical rotation in med school. So I realize I've learned all these terms by now, but to reiterate a rotation is in your third year of medical school. It's like when you take different electives in high school and you can't jump around from one thing to the next. So you um, mm-hmm. rotate, usually for one month, sometimes, like in surgery, it's two months, and um, you'll do like gynecology at one hospital, you do pediatrics at another hospital, and so this hospital is for surgery, and out of all the different locations, this one is like in the middle of PA, so um, unless I didn't want to see her for two months, we had to get this Airbnb, um, and it's it's been okay. It's kind of a nice... I don't know, it's weird. It's it's nice cuz it's a new place. They have a really um comfy lounge chair. <laughs> but um <laughs> it kind of sucks just because there's, you know, you feel kind of extra iso- I was isolated before, but at least I could, you know, walk down the street and I was in some sort of city. Here there's just nothing. It's like suburbs, so it's like if I walk if I walk down the street here you uh you look like a like a vagabond or like you need help or something like why is this person <laughs> <Right>. walking <laughs> which is right, kind of exactly. sad because uh, yeah i'm just used to walking everywhere but uh are you're Yes, yeah, you so uh, that's me lancaster
1: <laughs> yeah is that where you're yeah 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 i mean like <sighs> you know lancaster has a population of like sixty thousand people it looks like so Compared yeah sure but it's some, all spread for some out. Listeners, maybe that's like a big that's like a big a big town right right
0: well, they do have like a downtown but i'm in like i don't know it's like 10 minutes away oh. from this downtown area so it's just it's like mm-hmm. sub suburbs I yeah i don't know i i never uh well we did um she had to stay in delaware for a little bit when uh the beginning of third year and um we we got a place for like a week there and that was even more quiet and mm-hmm. i don't know it's weird just doing these airbnbs out here definitely i mean my mom jokes about like oh some someday you guys will like get a house out in the suburbs we can get a lot of space and how nice would that be and like this is just really reaffirming my disdain for suburbs <laughs> it's like yeah it's like a it's like a beautiful prison or like yeah sure like this place has two bathrooms but that does nothing for me on the day to day. I'm like, it works probably if you get in the car and you drive to an office every day and like, you know, you have a different change of scenery, but if you're just working from home and looking out the window and then like, I don't know, you want to walk down to a coffee shop. Can't do that. You need to, I don't know. It's also, we only have one car, so she Mm -hmm. has the car all day. So I'm, I'm literally trapped.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like different strokes for different folks, I guess. Like, I think uh, my dad like prefers like he was like, I wish I could buy like fifty thousand acres and put a house right in the middle of it and then never see anyone. I <laughs> uh, like, that's totally the opposite of my friend Rob, you know, <laughs> and me yeah. for the most part. I mean, like you know, uh, so he I don't he likes mind it. some seclusion, but I feel
0: I feel like I the seclusion people. seclusion could be well, this is ironic. I was going to say seclusion shared with people, but what I mean is like, let's say you're retired. Right. And you have, you know, your significant other with you like, yeah, that would be Mm -hmm. kind of peaceful. You could sit out on the porch with your wife or husband or whoever, and, and kind of enjoy it together. But like literally Mm -hmm. being by yourself in the middle of nowhere while your significant other is off doing work. That feels a little Mm -hmm. weird. Um, and like yeah. I watch a lot of TV, but <laughs> then I then I, then I I get these periods where like I feel bad for just watching so much TV and I'm like, well, I literally have nothing else I can do um, in a city. You know, right. I could walk down to a Starbucks or something just to break up the afternoon mm-hmm. or walk to a park exactly. or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I'm not, I mean, I am, I guess, kind of shitting on suburbs, but I'm <laughs> just saying <laughs> that it's like, In my experience so far, it has been very isolating and very frustrating. And I'm sure that, you know, quarantine is isolating for everyone, but it's, I had no idea how much more isolating it was if you're not in a city, because man, this is, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you know, Lancaster's got some stuff going for it. It's got two colleges that I can see. It's got a couple of science museums. Right. So, you know yeah I guess gotta go check out the town right but you gotta walk just 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 walk for like an hour downtown e-
0: exactly so they, again that's my like criticism is like you it requires a car, and I guess if we were here for permanently, then we would just be those Americans that have two cars but um yeah it's just it's not mobile, it's weird. you have to get in a car to go to the grocery store, which for me is like become the weirdest thing because oh <laughs> i remember i used i used to do that like growing up in michigan and it was totally normal um but it's so weird now because for like almost a decade in new york my routine was like on the way home i'd stop at one of the shops near like the subway staircase when you're coming up and i would just grab mm-hmm. you know some veggies some broccoli or whatever um and you know th- then i'd go home and i would make dinner with those fresh veggies and um now it's like you have to get in a car go to the store <laughs> typically you probably bulk up on stuff so you can reduce the number of car trips and right uh, you know the ve- veggies I can get them to last for a few days but like I can't really I can't manage to do like 2 weeks worth of veggies it's weird so I end up getting like some frozen meals and some other stuff like that and so just generally like the freshness of stuff goes right. down. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm just used to having like that green grocer that's like next to my apartment. And, um, I miss that.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, we had to drive when we were in Chicago, we had to drive to the grocery store too. Cause there just wasn't one yeah. close. I mean, we could walk to one, but it was like kind of far. I don't know. It took a, it took a long yeah. time. And here we definitely, we have to, but I am looking at getting some like, um, panniers for my bike those like rear saddlebags basically oh um so that i That'd can cool. bike back and forth um, which will make it take quite a bit longer but it will still be um more get rewarding. some fresh air
0: some fitness yeah and, yeah. You
1: know, and I'll, i won't be able to get as much stuff so it'll be you know like it also encourages me to do it more often get more exercise right. on the bike, all that stuff
0: you know what i noticed so, i don't Oh, I was just going to say, like, in terms of not getting so much stuff, too, it's like when I would shop at these, like, sh- uh, delis or greengrocers or whatever on the way home to my New York apartment, I knew that mm. whatever I grabbed, I would, first of all, you just have like a little basket, but then also like you only have two hands to carry this home and you don't want it to be too heavy. And so, um, Mm -hmm. now when I'm making these like car trips to the grocery store, I notice I get a lot more snacks as well. I'm like, Oh yeah, let's get some of this and let's get some goldfish (laughs) and let's get this, let's get these chips. Don't want to run out of snacks. (laughs) I know. Right. So now, now I'm also like accumulating more like crap. Um, I mean, it's good, but I know that I shouldn't have too much of it. Um, whereas when mm-hmm. you can only have two hands, it's like, well, literally what am I going to eat for dinner? <laughs> it's more focused. Right.
1: Yeah, Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. There was one place I lived in Chicago where I would come home on the, on like a commuter rail and then mm-hmm. right by the train station there, there would be, there was like a nice big grocery store and I would go in there and get something for just that night and then, you know, do this same the next day. But that didn't. I only lived there a year. I kind of missed that. Yeah, so that was part of the part of the new situation. But yeah, lots of other if I had a nice here. So.
0: If I had like a house, house, and I was in the suburbs, I'd probably do like you know a little bit of gardening. Maybe do some herbs and like tomatoes mm-hmm. and. I mean, let's not go crazy. I'd pick easy things, but. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would yeah. I would want some access to some fresh veggies without having to go to the store all the time. That'd be nice. Mhm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, on that sure. note, I think did we talk about this in October? When, when did you move? You got a house.
1: Yeah, I got a house in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh we did not talk about it before because I don't think we started looking really until like Thanksgiving. Oh uh, yeah. Um yeah, we uh, so we looked for a while. It's a pretty crazy market. Um, at least it was even more so then. I think maybe it's better now because more stuff's coming on the market just because it's like spring yeah. and... Uh, is it really? Then, so not, not
0: not to interrupt, yeah. but <laughs> I remember uh, Mary and I were watching some of these like real estate shows on HGTV and mm. every episode, the, the, real, the realtor is like, oh, it's a fast market. So you, you got to, you know, put in your offer if you think you like it. And we're kind of looking at each other and we're like, is it really? Or is that just, you know, what they say to like keep things moving along? I don't know.
1: Oh, no. Well, I mean, sometimes they might, but like... Right now it's it's insane. Like oh, okay. um people are listing homes on Friday with the knowledge that it's gonna be sold by the weekend. So like Damn <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty good. Oh, part of it's COVID because people in general are trending to getting away from uh like close quarters and moving to uh detached, they call it so like single homes, single family homes instead of living in apartments. Um mm. where that's possible, I guess. Um, which means that the stock of those homes is really low and that's what we were kind of looking for. I mean, we ended up living in like a town home kind of situation. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, uh, it was still like, yeah, this, the home we got didn't even go on the market. We tried to get the one that was attached to it (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) like right after it came on the market and they had just accepted an offer but they're like but we're gonna sell this other one soon if you want that one and we're like we'll just give you the same exact thing that those people gave you for (laughs) the other side and they're like great and then it was and then it never got on the market so um yeah it was kind of it was kind of nuts but it's a it's a nice little it's like a two-story shotgun style uh townhome it used to be a building that was four units, but they, they combined each side, uh, the top and bottom floors, so it's just two now, and mm-hmm. um, everything's, you know, totally, like, gut rehabbed. It's got, like, a lot of brick, interior brick going on. Ooh, That's got, nice. What is that? What is the word for that? Exposed brick interior. Exposed there brick, yeah. None yeah. of that secretive brick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole building's made out of brick, so it's just, like it's a yeah it's it was built in 1911 so it's like really really old but we like that we like the charm that's of cool. it
0: yeah so it's got a little character it a to it even if you update it it's, it'll still
1: kind of have some original bones right exactly um yeah there's like some you know, some like the paint that's on the brick like we it like probably not going to come off and we're just kind of like used to it now just kind of like character um there's even like a fire. So there's like some burn marks on the brick from a long time oh, wow. ago. So, but yeah, like I thought we'd want to like change all that, but I think now I just kind of like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, it's part of the character. history. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. That's cool.
1: So I'm like, yeah, I you know I'm, I'm here in St. Louis still working, doing all my Chicago work, but living in St. Louis, which is going to end sometime soon. Cause school year will mm-hmm. end. They'll get new people um to do the work there that are local um so i'm looking for new new jobs which we both have been doing lately right yeah
0: hold on my my cat is i don't know if you can hear yeah i hear that guest guest cat appearance i know the difference between this live feed and the recorded feed is i will cut out this crap claire (laughs) what, what do you want So it sounds like you're kind of in this job transition overlap phase where you've got kind of continuing work from Chicago because it's all remote, which is super fortunate, but there's going to come a time Mm -hmm. where you need to switch over to finding something, uh, now where you are. And then likewise for me, I am, have been interviewing, I don't remember how long, but it's been like a, a month or two feels like. And, uh, trying to get into something more education or health related with design Mm -hmm. because part of me is like, well, you know, in, in terms of like taking a new step in my career, like what, what kind of focus do I want to have? And, you know, how can I like use my skills for good, so to speak? And, uh, I ended up Mm -hmm. interviewing at a couple of places that kind of fit either ones, one, one healthcare company and one education company. And, uh, long story short, although I could probably do a whole podcast on like interviewing for design jobs, but, um, long story short, I went with the education one. It's called teachers pay teachers. And I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Yeah. Nice. Congrats on that, Rob. It's, uh, yeah, so it's like having um, a lot more success in the job hunting than, than I, <laughs> but you also have a very in demand job.
0: Yeah, it, you know, so I've
1: been helpful. I've been putting it off for
0: ages honestly because there was in general I didn't want to create a portfolio because for designers you have to create I don't know about other jobs really. It's it's so funny like at this point I don't know how other people go about job hunting or applying or interviewing, but for designers you have to have a portfolio that shows examples of what you've designed and then on top of that, now the expectation is that it's online and interactive. So I had to make a freaking mm-hmm. website, and um, that took forever. Like just getting all the like pictures and screenshots that I want and you're basically writing little blog posts of like here's this project I did and here's here's the problem here's my method here's the solution blah 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 I'm a good designer <laughs> and um right. and yeah. then I was and then I was thinking you know because of this podcasting microphone that I would actually narrate each of those pages so my little special touch to my website was when you go to each page you can click the play button and you can have my voice walk you through the whole project in case you don't want to read it cuz God knows I don't want to read those things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I I was going to say I I put it off for a long time because there's so much effort that goes into, like, getting all these job materials put together and, you know, you got to, like, pitch yourself, make yourself look good. And I was also thinking that it wouldn't be a very good job market, but it turns out for design and, like, tech, this is a really good market right now yeah i think a a lot of stuff Uh, is opening up because of remote work perhaps
1: right yeah that's why i'm looking at doing uh like a pivot no longer gonna do the well you know my field music performance is really just i mean it's really in a in a boom time uh with covid going on it's just (laughs) got gigs every night no (laughs) it's really bad so uh the The teaching part's been okay, um, although I've never, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty decent teacher, um, mostly just because I, I give at least a, a little bit of a shit. Um, <laughs> but, like, but I... I, I can imagine so you're like a good teacher. Passion, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a good teacher when I have good students. <laughs> when it, I have it bad does, students, it, I'm probably a bad teacher.
0: <laughs> and I imagine it requires a lot of, you know, energy on your part, so if you're not into it, then it might, might be yes. harder.
1: It is. But well, whenever you're having a day where you're like, ah, I don't want to do this. It like, feels like the most exhausting thing ever, which you probably have experienced at least some somewhat. Cause you have taught a lot in your past.
0: Yeah. Oh um, yeah. I'm also teaching a course online right now. This is not a paid advertisement, but if you want to take <laughs> my class, um, I'm teaching UX design at this website called BrainStation.io. kind of a, Goofy name, I guess, but brainstation. But anyway. It's um it's one of those kind of career development, get a certificate in a particular topic. They have stuff for like coding and product management as well. But, you know, if you're there for design, uh and you do the UX one, then maybe uh you'll get me as your professor, teacher, I don't know what they're called, instructor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a professor, I don't yeah. have a doctorate or anything. But anyway, um <laughs> yeah, it definitely yeah, it takes Takes a lot out of you sometimes, especially if it's, like, a day-long class, you know, if it's going on for multiple hours, and you got to, like, keep things engaging. Yeah.
1: Right, right. And so, I'm just... And also, you know, it pays pretty okay. I mean, as far, I mean, I say pretty okay because I'm a musician, and my definition of pretty okay is different from a lot of people's in the world, I think. Um, but, uh, so, anyway, I'm looking to kind of do a transition and going to the tech world. Um, although right now I'm just kind of looking into project management stuff, which is kind of mm-hmm. an interesting world. I mean like when I'm, t- I'm taking these like project management classes and half the time I'm just like, well, duh, like, yes, this is how you <laughs> do anything, but I, it's also useful. It's like, you know, you know how to do a lot of stuff, but maybe you don't know how to plan it. Like from the beginning thinking about all mm-hmm. these steps. So like, I mean, I kind of get it. Um, or maybe it's kind of like this weird, mm -hmm.
0: or maybe it's kind of like, you know, you have, you have a sense of how most projects typically unfold, but this is giving you more of that formal framework. So like you would, you would know
1: how to, how to leverage it in a unique situation. Yeah. Right. Right. And just, you know, like sometimes I think when you're changing fields, like, I mean, I've done a lot of project management. Now I clearly realize like, Oh, like a lot of my other jobs were just basically project management, even though I was like managing a team of like one or two people, because that's, it was a really small organization, but like, um, if there's like a little bit of like imposter feeling of like, well, I haven't been in this like for-profit world and I don't really know, like, like Mm. what is, how do they define a project? And, and it's like, Oh, the same way everyone else does. Like, it's it's not really that mystifying, (laughs) but it's nice to be told that, you know, yeah, that's um, interesting. Just cuz like you're like, well, what does a project mean if you work at like, you know, like uh Audible, <laughs> right? Right. Like you, right. Um, so I I don't know it's, anything it's about the nonprofit world.
0: Examples. I always um there there's probably so many kind of misconceptions, but like I think we were talking about this a while ago about like when I was doing the job hunt and mm-hmm. first of all w- <laughs> They need to come up with a better term than nonprofit because when I hear nonprofit, I hear no money. And when I hear no money, yep. I think I don't want to apply for that job cuz I like getting paid in money. <laughs> so like I don't I don't even, you know, consider like applying to a nonprofit even though like often the cause or their their mission is really good and I would like to be a part of that mission. I kind of rule it out because I'm like, well, I don't want to get paid, you know, half my salary, so I don't even apply. Secondly, I don't imagine, like you're saying, kind of the flip side. I wonder how the projects work because all of our projects are, you know, oriented around quarterly business goals. And, you know, we work to make sure that it makes sense in terms of delivering something customers would use. And it's like user centric. But the, the the typical origin of any project always comes from, oh, well, this is going to help boost our money in this type of, I don't know, sector of the business.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, in in nonprofit, like, I guess, like, the, first of all, just to dispel the myth, like you, you can make good money working in a nonprofit. Um, I think that the, the biggest difference is that like, because there's not the same drive for profits, um, the like, I don't want to say the standards are lower, because that's not necessarily true. But it's just like, it's a different relationship that you have with stakeholders, so like you know you get you work on donations right that's how the the- co- company or the yeah the nonprofit organization right that's how they that's their income right so whereas like a company may look at sales um nonprofits are looking at donations and you then the output donations. is just yeah but and then the output the goal of the organization is right the outputs the things you you like spend money on which is kind of funny Mm. right because like i think it's the reverse like we're going to spend money on this so we can make this money is how like most for-profit corporations would think but nonprofits like okay we need to we need to get this income so we can spend it (laughs) on (laughs) some other stuff you know it's like kind of backwards right um so that being said i mean it's still like a very complex some of them are very complex businesses to to operate and like um like CEOs will make a lot of money at at big nonprofits and like, I think you can make decent money doing it. Um, but the, I think the, the standard is just a little different because it's a different process. It's like a, it's the reverse process. So, um, it's like a second order of them. (laughs) So that's also a big part of like why there's less competition for those jobs. And maybe they are, um, they don't pay as well for that reason too. Probably.
0: I was going to say it sound, from an outsider point of view it sounds like you're chasing the second order effect or whatever you call it where like at at Audible or at a profit based business you you do new things or you create new things in order to generate interest similar to a nonprofit you know like if you're a symphony you do things to generate interest but the the outcome I think is that people if it's interesting or if it's useful or if it solves a problem then people will use it and you get money directly from the people using it whereas Mm -hmm. if it's like if you're chasing donations then it's kind of like you create something that people want and then you can go back and say look at how many people used this thing that we created you didn't make any money from those people but Because Mm -hmm. all those people were using it, you can justify, oh, you should give us a donation or something because it's helping this population. Yeah. So you kind of get it Mm -hmm. from like secondhand. You get money secondhand, not from the actual people that you're serving. It's kind of, that seems to be really tricky.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and that's not to say that sometimes you are getting money from the people you're directly serving. Like if you're an orchestra, like you're charging ticket sales and like that's, you know, you're getting... You're serving the people that are paying for the tickets and you're getting, it's like a direct transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called contracted service is what they usually call that. Um, or like earned income. And then you have contributed income. Yeah, And you want to strike a good balance between those two things usually because you don't want, you know, if, if uh, something changes, well, I mean, if something like COVID happens, you're kind of just screwed. Uh, you, right. you actually, that's not true. In some cases, um, you may have to rely more on earned income if you think your your uh, base of stakeholders is like tapped out for giving. You mm-hmm. may be like, okay, hey, we need to do more like services that can be purchased and are useful. But then, like mm-hmm. if uh, the other way around happens, like actually, COVID is more like this where you couldn't provide a lot of services. Um, you're just kind of like hanging on. Then you have to kind of push that. Way back towards contributed, but if you are really, really over reliant on earned income, and then that happens, like there's no way that contributed will make it up, and vice versa. So like, there's like this really interesting balance that goes on. Um, hmm. But in for profit, obviously, it's like always the it's always the same metric, right? it Does it make us money? <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you do have that metric in in nonprofits. Like if if uh, a big nonprofit was like, well, we need to uh, pay this company to make an app for us so that we can uh, reach our constituents that would donate, right? Then you're kind of, it's kind of, that's as close to for-profit as it gets. I think, you know, like a business would totally do that. Like we need to have an app that reaches more people and gets them casually interested in our thing so that they spend money. It's kind of exactly what you're doing in nonprofit, except it's more altruistic. <laughs> the reasons yeah. for it are more altruistic. Yeah. But anyway, I, I just like, I always think when I'm like looking for jobs and they're like, oh, you have to have like, you know, four years of project management experience. And I'm like, okay, well, I've never had the title project manager, but <laughs> when I think about now that I'm doing this certificate, I'm like, yeah, but like, okay, if these are the skills yeah. I need, like I've been producing concerts and I've like, you know, right, I've done a right. lot of things that are project management and like require a lot of creative problem solving. um It's just not in... A business thing, you know, and I can't put on my resume like, yeah, I, I made this concert happen and and you know, somebody didn't show up, but I still made the concert happen, like, they're like, oh, I don't care about concerts they're like, how much money you know, they want to, like, did you did your projects, you know beat your, beat your quarterly estimates for cost, and did they also beat your quarterly expectations for earnings, and like they want to know all that kind of stuff, and I'm like, well I have right. the skills I just don't have the, like, output to show you that I, you know I know well, what you doing, you have so the skills, but you don't have the job title, maybe. But the job title, but also like the the metrics that they're looking for. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, prove a proven track record in for profit, which is like
0: well, I feel like hard to find. I mean, I don't I don't know that space, but I I feel like if you were to communicate that you've gotten results for a non-profit, well, then you have effectively gotten the results you know that you were aiming for. Mm-hmm. So, it would be kind of it would, it'd be absurd I I I would say to expect someone coming from a nonprofit space to talk about how much, you know, they did for a direct profit company.
1: <laughs> uh right, that's true. Um uh, I just think that the those available metrics are like so like small and especially in like mm-hmm. small nonprofits like um both small in size and the number of available metrics to measure it's like yeah well what would you want to know okay did you get more people to attend your concerts sure mm-hmm. um i guess you could always just talk in percentages but like if you know for our non-profit yeah. like going from 50 to 100 people would be like a huge that's like amazing and it isn't a 100 percent increase but like <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah i don't know do people reading resumes read through that stuff i don't know it's like that's I mean, why I said there's, like, a lot of imposter syndrome happening, you know.
0: Yeah. Because the, okay, well, the as, as aren't an, the
1: same. Yeah. As an outsider, I would give you the
0: advice to definitely talk about stuff in terms of percentage or whatever makes you look better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also, you know, thinking back to when I was doing design interviews and stuff, maybe this isn't exclusive to design. I thought that it was. But it's really about telling a story. If you can get that Interview or even the screener phone call, just the first one, where you just first of all don't be afraid to talk in broad terms because you know they're not going to be able to map one to one your job to to their job, and then also talk about what's important. So yeah, if it's if you got a hundred percent increase in attendance, then you were successful, and that's you know just because you're working with an audience of fifty. Uh, you know, that's no reflection on you or, or how well you work. Your result was that you doubled it. And, you know, you could probably apply the same kind of skill set or solution to their company. If they have a thousand customers, maybe you could double their outcome. Who knows? And when I was mm-hmm. doing my presentations, I did um, I did generally two two projects in my presentation as I walked people through my work. And it, the first one was... collaborative project where i talked about redesigning the uh, the library inside of audible app and how that worked and how i kind of worked with different types of people collaboration all that good stuff um and that one was really hard to talk about because i didn't have any hard metrics they're like well what was the outcome and you know did you achieve your goals or all and all that and Mm -hmm. i just Spoken a broad sense of, well, um, you know, we wanted to increase engagement and we also had a hypothesis that the the better the library experiences, the more personalized it can become, then you're also going to see a longer retention of people's membership. And so I said that, you know, so far we have been seeing a big increase. We have seen a lot of interaction with the library and, um, you know, it's very strong signals so far. And then I moved on. I didn't give them any numbers <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that because, you know, to be fair, I don't even have those numbers. Some, uh, someone on the business side of thing has, has those numbers, not me. Um, but right. then I did have a, I, I did make sure to include one project that had numbers and it was kind of the total opposite. It was a very minute project where I changed like a few pixels on this Amazon webpage page for books and um, the problem was like this button wasn't appearing for people who had small web browsers and I changed the size so that it did and it had a huge increase um, like 30% or whatever which meant like 20 million dollars over the course of a year for Amazon and stuff like that and I'm I'm generalizing the numbers by the way in case anyone wants to sue me for breaking my NDA. <laughs> These are not the actual numbers. <laughs> but um <laughs> right. I'm not allowed not allowed to talk about the actual numbers. The but the moral of the story is that they were really big and impressive numbers and all mm-hmm. I did was change like this tiny little thing, but um I happened to have that data and so I was able to tell that story. Um but even then, you know, like the places I'm interviewing at they know, I hope, that whatever I do, it's not going to get them $20 million, for example, because they don't have the amount of people browsing their website that Amazon does. So right. um, it's more about, like, here's what I did. Here's, here's the course that I followed in order to achieve results. And the, the moral of the story is that the results were positive, right? So, um, right. I guess all I'm saying is, you know, encouraging you or anyone listening to, yeah, be flexible. It's more about how you tell the story and not so much what the exact numbers were. They they probably will ask for exact numbers, but then you can just say, well, I'm not at liberty to disclose or, you know, you can mm-hmm. kind of generalize it a little bit. But the, the point is, you had a project, you did the work and it had a good
1: outcome. Yeah, Right. <laughs> yeah i mean it's I, don't know. I think it would i always like looked at those things or like yeah get resume help or like you know talk with a, like a coach i was like oh that's ridiculous why would you do that and now i'm like yeah maybe i should have somebody take a look at my stuff and like help me <laughs> figure out how to tell this story a little better or like just uh it's, it's so much maybe. easier to talk or to compliment or like promote someone else's work i think right you know what i mean to like look at it For and be sure. like, that's amazing look what they did there and then but within your own you're like yeah nobody gives a shit about what i do you know, like, that's <laughs> Yeah, it's, how it's really play. hard
0: to like talk yourself up that's really hard
1: yeah. i'm so bad at it and like when i was you know as a musician like you're kind of need to do that and i was always so bad at it i just never would you know <laughs> um I just didn't like the I, self-promotion. It was like really hard for me to do Facebook and be like, come see this amazing show. I'm like, cause I'm like, well, I hope you like this show, but like, you probably don't give a shit about my show. and That's okay. It's like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't want to waste your time. So, you know, come if you <laughs> right, want <to>. Right. That's yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. My whole attitude and yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's something good about that mindset, but then like when it comes to something like job hunting, it's like terrible. Yeah, I don't know. I
0: mean, I may not have the, the, the best advice, but I guess I just try to, I try to put myself in their shoes and be like, okay, here's this random person, right? And you know, Mm -hmm. maybe I've heard of the place they worked at or not. Um, it definitely helps coming from like a name brand company. I'll, you know, definitely I'll admit that I have have a huge leg up, but you know, I I try. I try to look at it from their point of view and imagine like, okay, they're talking to this person. They're probably also talking to 10 other people and they, and there's kind of like this outline of a story and they want to hear like, okay, what's the business problem that you had? And, um, What was your kind of role in the whole scheme of things? Like, did you do everything yourself or did you work with, um, you know, other types of employees and, you know, can tell, you know, I want to hear that this person can work well with others. Obviously it's just like a a kid in school. Can they play well? (laughs) And then I want to see how, what did they do to solve the problem? Do they have like a diverse toolkit or do they just have one trick that they play over and over again? Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, I, I guess that's pretty much it. Everything else is color. Everything else is like, you know, impressive details. So the more you can add in there, the better. But it's not. It's not about like, oh yeah, Rob is the best designer in the world. It's just like, yeah, here's here's an example of something that I did that, um, you know, had a good outcome for my company. And, uh, you know, oh, I also kind of explained, you know, this is just an example of hundreds of projects that I've done over the years at Audible. And so, you know, I kind of plant the seed of like, you can can repeat this result. And, uh, you know, I'll bring these results to your company if you hire me. Um, So,
1: yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: I've never, at least in my experience, I haven't heard of any like bad outcomes for my projects. So I can say that relatively, confidently but I still don't think like I'm the best I feel like I'm one of a thousand you know kind of just doing the same stuff but um yeah yeah I don't know right right also well, the... try try yeah. and think of your your other um this is turning into like a job advice <laughs> <laughs> podcast <laughs> That's fine. but th- think of your uh, think of your peripheral skills and interests like when in my presentation, my first slide is, hi, I'm Rob. Here's a quick outline of my background. I currently work at Audible. Before that, I worked at this agency. And before I got into design, I had a degree in Spanish uh, and education. And I talk a little bit about my passion for education. And then on the next slide, um, I talk about uh, my design philosophy. And then I talk about how I enjoy spreading um, Uh, an understanding of design outside of designers. I'll talk to developers and marketers about that. And so I'm kind of activating that, you know, interest in education, even though I'm not a teacher. And um, I think that that ties in well to my job because I'm a good communicator. And, you know, I don't keep, I don't keep, you know, good information to myself. I make sure that I spread that out across the team. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So anytime you can hit on some like soft skills or a personal passion, um, you, you know, generalize it, of course, it's not going to apply a hundred percent, but you generalize it and you kind of make it sound like it's, that's what makes you special. in you know, at that job.
1: Right. Right. No, that's good advice. That's good advice. I think the hardest thing I'm having trouble with is getting to the interviews. It's like, when they're just yeah. looking at your resume, I guess, you know, you have your cover letter, but sometimes I wonder like, I'm man, I've been burned on a couple of applications that I'm like, r- I've made me really angry that they did the job search this way. But like I applied for this like climate advocacy nonprofit, like to do basically project management. I think it was called like program associate was like the title. Um mm-hmm. But like all the things that they asked for, I was like overqualified for. And uh, so I applied for it. I wrote this like really passionate cover letter and like had it with several people like look at it. Um, and they're like, wow, that's like you seem really passionate about the environment. You seem really like uh, like you have all the skills they need, like you can improve their processes. And mm-hmm. I was like, great. It seems like I have a really good thing here. I submitted it all. Okay. Didn't hear anything. I was like, fine. So I checked in. Didn't hear anything yeah. again. Checked in again. And they finally said... Oh yeah, we only submitted, uh, it was like a, a an agency, right? Like hiring for the company. Like, oh yeah, we only sent along the uh, applications from people with experience in climate advocacy first. What? Um, and then they're going to pick something from there. And if not, they're going to, it did not say that in the application, you know, the other uh, job description. Oh. They're going to do anything like that. And I was like, wow thank you for i wanted to like be really snarky in my response yeah. but like i guess it was still possible i they would send them my resume so i did you're like, I was like waiting in line wow, thank you for wasting all my time like putting this together like why didn't you just do one that said it's required and then if you didn't find someone put out a new search that said it took that requirement off and see who you, you know what i mean like it just <laughs> really like bothered me yeah it and like what, totally what, is there um, any way you can just apply directly uh doesn't seem like it. i mean I, there, it wasn't listed anywhere except for through this uh, agency so yeah but it's just like annoying because all i hear about all the time is like oh yeah you got like leverage your transferable skills and like you know like if you write mm-hmm. a passionate cover letter blah blah, blah. It's like no one ever no one ever read that cover letter <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> because you of didn't stupid, even have a chance like, yeah it's just that kind of stuff and it like made me like not want to try as hard <laughs> On <laughs> The other ones I'm like, I can't spend that much energy on every one of these applications. I'll number one, do nothing but apply for jobs. And then like number two, half the time, no one will even read it. It was just yeah. like, super demoralizing. I, um, yeah.
0: That's very demoralizing.
1: That's messed up. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know why I told that story except just because I wanted to vent about it, but like, well, uh, but yeah, it's,
0: it's true. Cause like, it's not always a direct route. Sometimes, in my experience, it's like you generally you get more luck as a designer if you go through a recruiter. Um, but you know, in your case, apparently that recruiter had used sort of like as a backup option and didn't tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, I found, you know, I would think applying directly actually is better. But when I think about it, actually. I applied directly to a couple of listings. Let's see, the New York Times, um, Roll20, which is this like D&D website. Um, (laughs) I wasn't, I I didn't really, I don't know if I would actually work there, but just kind of out of curiosity, wanted to talk to them. And I also Uh applied to Twitter um, directly. Uh And I, uh, most of these, I was kind of hoping to at least get the initial conversation, just like, like like house hunting or whatever, it's like just tell me about the place. I'm not sure if I'm gonna like you know, get the interview or anything, mm-hmm. but I want to hear more like what is this job because sometimes they'll post like, Oh, well, we need this designer for our blah 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 platform. Like, I don't know what the hell this platform is. Can you just like hop on the phone and tell me? Maybe I am a good fit. I don't mm-hmm. even know. Um right. but yeah, all those direct applications I got zero responses for. Um mm-hmm. but then, you know, I had a couple of recruiters contact me and you know, I tell them, sometimes I have to tell them, Oh, actually I'm not interested in your like, I don't know, transportation company, but here's what I am interested in education and healthcare. And I've planted a seed and then they'll call me back maybe a couple of weeks later. Hey, I found this education job. So that's kind of good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I had a lot, a lot better success with recruiters cause they're like eager to get you in there. Maybe, I don't know, but yeah, when you're switching tracks, when you're switching kind of focus areas, I don't know how you, how you do that. Like if you don't have experience in, in the environment or whatever, I don't know, but I didn't have any experience designing educational software.
1: (laughs) Right, right. But like, that's not the the point. I think this is what maybe, maybe the for-profit industry gets this more than the nonprofit side because like. Um, they want, you know, the nonprofit side always wants you to have like a big passion and whatever it is that you're mm-hmm. doing and which is fine. Like I, I get that cause they want, they want people who are team players and want to work hard. But like, also there's like, I mean, I know a lot of musicians who are like assholes and like, I wouldn't want to work <laughs> with them, but they may have like a lot of experience on their resumes for different stuff they've done. And like, it just depends on like what you want and the role you're trying to fill. Like the, this like program associate thing, like there was nothing on there that like required any technical knowledge about like environmental science or (laughs) anything like Mm. that. You know what I mean? So like, why do you care if that person has that specialized knowledge and ability? Don't you care more that they're good at project managing and like, um, maybe they just like seem like a nice person to work with, like in general, Like, like maybe like you, you, you would feel good about, uh, getting like emails from them that ask you to do something, you wouldn't be like, Oh, this person's just like pawning off work or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff I think is so much more important. Um, so I kind of hope they end up with some jerk who like has experience in the environment, but they hate. (laughs) Then maybe they'll learn their lesson. Like, Oh, we should just hire somebody (laughs) we like, not somebody with experience. Exactly. Uh, Anyway. Anywho. well, Uh, we'll just see how it goes. You know, I got some hopefully promising stuff going on. Like this one company that has this, like, oh, sorry if you had the flute, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) It's a regular, regular staple of our, uh, podcasts, Rob. Um, (laughs) so this one company that, uh, has, um, like the, a training program. Like I, I was showing this to you the other day. Oh, yeah. uh where like they expect people that are doing career changes to apply for and i'm like oh okay that sounds like me and um basically i think they're training you to be a project manager it sounds like a lot like that the more i do this project manager training it's mm-hmm. like you're you would be uh once you complete the program which they pay you to do you'd be a junior consultant That's and a you bonus. work on a team with like a senior consultant and then a bunch of like other software engineers and data analysts and stuff. So it sounds to me like the consultants are the project managers. <laughs> it sounds a lot like mm-hmm. that to me. And you start out kind of as like a project management assistant, sort of like the senior project managers running the project. And you're like learning from them how to run a project and also just doing a lot of the admin stuff that probably they don't want to do. Right. Um She's like totally fine. That's like exactly the kind of thing I need. Like I need that'll get rid of the you imposter need an syndrome. Entry. You like have a mentor. Yeah. It's like perfect. So I yeah. hope that works out. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. I'm trying to like learn as much as I can before they start doing the recruiting for it. So that I seem like, cause I've talked to a recruiter and they're like, Oh, we won't be able to like, it would be like mid April when we start like actually like trying to match make recruits with the program, but you seem like a good candidate. I'm like, Mm -hmm. great so when they call back so you're making yourself like the the best candidate yeah i'm i I hopefully you know i can say oh yeah since we last talked you know i'm like you know three months into this uh well three months because it's like a six-month program (laughs) but i can do like a week of it in a day it's like so yeah uh so like i'm like you know pretty far into this project management training and i'll complete this by this time and they'll be like oh hopefully they're like oh they're taking initiative already to like right be a good candidate for this i hope anyway yeah i hope so i think that definitely make you look
0: really strong that a you've taken the initiative and b you've also done some of the actual learning yourself that they're gonna give you anyway so when you do start um you know you'll kind of hit the ground running you'll have some background knowledge already which would be pretty good
1: yeah i think the things that i am most like i most want to improve on are like the soft skills actually like Like, Mm. I know that I can do all the admin to, like, run a project, but can I, like, do I have those soft, like, leadership skills to, like, really make my team exceed, succeed, I mean, or exceed expectations? Like, I think that stuff's kind of important, I've met so many people like this, you know, who are like, man, like, I want to work on that team, because that person just seems, like, really awesome and, like... (laughs) nurturing they they know what they're talking about they like well they're interested in making you better at your job too like Mm -hmm. that's the kind of person that like i I, think that's probably the key
0: (laughs) like like i don't know what the what the actual ingredients are of being a good leader but i think when i think of what i like it's someone that genuinely wants you to succeed and wants to like pay attention to you and um and not necessarily just use you as a resource. And so kind of coming full circle mm-hmm. to what I was saying about your other skills is like you can lean on your teaching skills. It's it's not directly teaching, but it's the spirit of that. Like when I'm teaching mm-hmm. I was talking to Mary about the um the UX course that I'm doing on Brainstation, plug number two. Um and <laughs> Uh, and I, and I was like, and I was like, you know, it's funny being on the other side of this school thing. Like I remember back in the day, I'd be terrified of like projects and like what grade I would get. And, you know, I'd be afraid of getting a bad grade. And now on the other side of things as an instructor, I mean, maybe it's different cause it's not a school. It's more like a certificate program, but, um, I just want people to understand the material. I want them to do well. And I want them to, like, have mm-hmm. a good project. So they're probably worried or, or nervous about their final projects that they have to submit uh, in a few days, actually, right now. But, um, you know, I'm not... First of all, I don't judge any of them. And secondly, I'm not, like, judging their work. If if something misses the mark, then I immediately think, oh, shit, I wasn't clear enough in my lesson. And right. it, it comes down on me, usually. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know okay, so hopefully I can set aside some time or find some time to like talk to this student to really like help make sure that they understand it so that way they can do it better next time. Like I always see things through this lens of like, if they're not doing great, then I just haven't really gotten the message across yet. And so maybe the same thing applies at work. Like if you have, I've never been a manager before, but maybe like if you're a manager and you have an employee who like, I don't know, they don't, do well, or they don't do their stuff on time or whatever, then it's, it's less about like yelling at them and probably more about like, Hey, how can I clarify things for you? Or, you know, like sometimes maybe the project isn't clear or something like that. I don't know.
1: Yeah, which is you know like you develop a lot of empathy I guess working with younger students because like if you just be like no you're doing it all wrong like and they right. <laughs> like start crying and stuff so you yeah avoid that you have to be like you have to be like oh could I like clear that that up for you like are you having trouble like with uh, a specific concept and like I, you know like let me help you in any way like that probably like will go a long way with adults too as long as you don't patronize them. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Which is always the the fine line, I think, right? Like to being a good leader. Like I've also had these leaders who are like a little bit like busybody, you know, like where they're like they want to know everything you're doing and like yeah, they like won't leave you alone to do your work. <laughs> so it's like finding that line where you're being supportive and also trusting them to get it done themselves and yeah yeah I don't know
0: which also comes back to being a teacher again I I'm I'm kind of excited about the parallels so I keep thinking about it but when Mm -hmm. um when I was doing this uh certification to teach English um as a second language in Spain what some of the feedback they gave me was that um you're uncomfortable with silence and you need to become more comfortable with silence so when I'm teaching a grammar lesson And I pause or I like, I wait for someone to answer a question. I'll give it like two seconds. And if no one answers, then I'll go ahead and start explaining it. And, and my uh, Uh advisors were like, no, you need to let it sit. Let it, let let the silence just hang out there. And eventually the answer will come. And, uh, or like if I'm doing an activity and they all have like worksheets and they're filling them out on the desk, you know, to kind of like not necessarily hover But, you know, just take a look, see how they're going, and then kinda step back and just trust that they'll figure it out and give them that space. And I think a lot of this in a metaphorical way applies to work too, like you're saying with those micromanagers. It's really like I think a micromanager is probably more worried about their job and how they're perceived than the actual people they're managing. They're like, Oh shit, maybe if my employees don't deliver on this, then you know the director is gonna be upset and they're worried about their line more so than actually thinking about the employee and giving them the space to like figure stuff out. I don't know.
1: It's like, you have to kind of like take a leap of faith, right? You have to sort of be like, okay, I know that I, I know from principles that like what I should do here is just be as supportive as possible and stand back. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times when you do that, people like you more, they work harder for you or, you know, they, um, you end up with better projects probably. So, but the hard yeah. part is that like, if it does go bad, <laughs> like it's probably like on you, right. Cause you're the, the manager and like, well, why didn't you know this was going on? And so it's like, that probably doesn't happen very often. And probably it's in your head a little bit that it'll be all your fault. You know, if uh, it doesn't, maybe things don't work out. Right. But like, it's hard to take that leap of faith. Like, cause we just all want to be in control, you know, of, of our futures <laughs> and stuff. Yeah.
0: Relinquishing control is pretty scary. And maybe maybe the, the middle ground is like setting up this rapport where people understand it's it's safe or it's okay to have questions. And if you can set things up with the people that you're managing to be like, you know, hey come to me with any questions you have along the way it's it's not a problem Mm -hmm. whereas you know some some people who are maybe more stern they might create that environment where people are afraid to ask a question because then it'll look like they're not good at their job so right i think the more you can foster people coming to you with questions the less you will need to micromanage because then you can sit back and trust that if something's going on they'll tell you about it i don't know Mm mm-hmm Right, it's funny, yeah. for for the longest time, I, I, I thought I knew I'd never wanted to be a manager, but now that I'm talking about it in this way, it sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I feel like the aspect that I'm talking about, like, I've done it a lot with kids and less with adults, you know? Right. Like, you have enc- to translate enc- it. then kind of shaping them. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I'm like, well, maybe I do have a lot of experience at this, like, anyway we'll just see what happens
0: yeah (laughs) well um this seems like a good place to wrap things up it's so funny there's so much that happened and i thought we'd be talking about like you know i got this new vr headset and (laughs) talk about video games and stuff like that but we ended up talking about (laughs) jobs but yeah that's that's pretty big too
1: yeah sorry i I think that's probably been dominating most of my conversations with people because it's just like it's this giant like thing in the middle of my path forward. <laughs> it's like, yeah, hang it you know, over. We have you. all these changes going on in life, which we can maybe talk about more on different podcasts, but like, it's like the, the piece that really needs to go in place, you know, for everything else to kind of start working. Yeah. So it's hard to not think about it all the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, mm-hmm. I get that.
1: Anyway, well, we'll have to do this. Uh, we'll, we'll have to not wait six months, you know? Yeah. I was going like, to say, let's try yeah. and
0: pick this up again on a regular pace um, we could do bi-weekly or we could do weekly, whatever you feel like. Um, mm-hmm. I've got, a, I've got a lot of flexibility right now until the new job starts. So pretty much anytime. But, um, after that, I'll, you know, probably still be able to do it on the weekends. I'll just have to wait and see in terms of like how busy things are.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, I have a lot of really sporadic time, so... Uh, i'm sure we'll be able to find something that works (laughs) all right sounds good cool well talk (laughs) to you later see you rob bye-bye see ya